Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of my podcast, the new name, that is The Threads of Life. Um, still exactly the same format, just was Threads of Autism and is now The Threads of Life. So uh, why? Why have I done this? Basically to get myself a little bit more aligned. I've had lots of changes in the recent four to six months. So I have closed down my autism threads business. That was the online shop. And this will now be my new website, thethreadsoflife.co.uk. And it will consist of this podcast that I am absolutely loving recording. And my newsletter from my old website that will continue since that proved to be fairly popular. So that comes out once a month. And please do go to the Threads of Life homepage to sign up. That would be amazing. And I will also copy over the blogs from my Autism Threads website and hopefully add some new ones as time goes on as well. The other reason is something else I've been doing in the background that is uh, taking up a considerable amount of time and energy, but that I am absolutely loving and that I know I would never have come across had it not been for my Autism Threads online shop journey. I am, drumroll, can't make that noise, apologies, <laughs> currently a spell to communicate practitioner in training. Whoop, whoop. It is a hugely intensive course. I am absolutely loving it. It is, however, fairly time consuming and pretty exhausting. I am already beginning to work with clients that is petrifying and absolutely amazing in equal measures. So I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with it. It is a program that comes from the States. The course I am currently on has 16 participants and a good eight or nine of us are based in England and Wales. And we will become the first spell to communicate practitioners in the UK. So that's very, very exciting. So it's basically abbreviated as S number 2C. You may recall some of the Chris Packham documentaries and uh, watching a lovely man called Murray, who was poking to letters of the alphabet on a laminate card. And that is basically the spell to communicate program. It eventually leads up to any non-speaking, minimally speaking or unreliably speaking children or adults learning to use the keyboard and basically to spell in order to communicate so I am incredibly excited and just honestly, everything I'm learning on this course makes so much sense, starting first and foremost with the fact that all of these non-speaking children and adults are 100% competent. And it's a huge mind shift for parents to make, especially after all the diagnoses they receive and all the things they're being told that their children cannot do and the little curriculum boxes that don't get ticked, uh, just not true. All the language and all the words are there in their brains. It's just the act of making speech that uh, they have great difficulty with. So yes, please, you will be hearing a lot more about it in the future. I will obviously share more once my website is up and, up and running. And if you are listening to this right now and have or know of any non-speaking, minimally speaking or unreliably speaking children or adults 
who are interested in free weekly sessions with uh, myself, the new trainee, <laughs> please do get in touch. I will give you my regular email address for now until I'm up and running on the new website. And that is Trish, T-R-I-S-H and A-N-D, Paul, P-A-U-L, at sky.com. I would love to hear from you. And yes, on that note, please do. Um, I'm so thrilled to have so many people listening to this podcast. Please continue to do so. Nothing has changed from the threads of autism, just simply a stunning new piece of cover art and a new name. And yes, do follow, click on the follow the show button that will alert you to whenever the new episodes come out. That would be amazing too. So right, today's episode, she gets there finally. By the way, the episode actually is Sleep Sagas. And if you have found yourself nodding off <laughs> right now to the sound of my beautifully smooth voice, apparently I do have quite a soothing voice. That's the comment I'm getting from this podcast, which is absolutely the last thing my children would call my voice. <laughs> But if indeed you are nodding off for a very important power nap that I will mention coming up, please, please do. I mean, I'm good. That's great. Go for it. So sagas in that, yes, they are sagas. And also that I would like to talk about both parents of autistic children or neurodiverse children and as well as the children themselves, no matter what age. I'll start with the children, obviously. <laughs> Their needs are always first and foremost on our minds. And sleep is just such a huge issue. It's not, I'm sure there's a lot of research going on in the background. And, and as far as I know, it's not actually known why it is such a sort of generally accepted fact that all autistic children and adults don't seem to need as much sleep. I say that, though, and immediately I think perhaps we've actually all got it completely wrong. They absolutely do need as much sleep, and they do get as tired as we do. It's just that they have great difficulty sometimes in shutting down their bodies, and that they mask the tiredness, either that or that they are in a constant state of alertness or fight-or-flight mode. And that in itself is exhausting. So something for us to really think about, I guess, from the parent's point of view, you want to try and kind of accept it to help your own expectations about your child's sleep. But I do wonder if sometimes they don't actually absolutely do need just as much sleep. They just unfortunately, through not having as much control over their bodies, get to receive that sleep. So it leads me to breaking it down a bit further and that often with autistic children, the sleep onset is just as big an issue, if not the issue. And that makes perfect sense when you talk about their bodies being able to shut down. So typically, I don't know what anybody else has experienced, but so many parents I talk to, it's literally up, you know, anywhere between one and three hours for their child to settle to sleep. And they will be absolutely fine with their routine and you'll have tootle on upstairs or into the bedroom after you've brushed your teeth and they'll happily get into bed <laughs> all smiley. <laughs> Good night, kiss, kiss, na, na, na. 
And literally, by the time you've actually reached the door, they're already up and out of the bed. And this can go on for literally hours. I, I have vivid memories of my husband and I taking turns with our plate of food for dinner and sitting sort of on the stairs just to, because we knew, we knew Henry would be coming out of his bedroom about 20 times before he actually settled to sleep. And we would be there at the top of the stairs just to say, Henry, get into bed. Henry, get into bed. <laughs> Did that sound nice and calm? I promise you it wasn't nearly as calm on many, many occasions. <laughs> but once you begin to understand that actually they really don't have a significant amount of control over their bodies, and you think about the brain processes we go through that we completely take for granted going to sleep. It is a mental exercise. You do, you do have to relax your body and grasp the concept that I'm going to sleep, and, and that can be very, very hard for, for these children and adults to do. The other side then is obviously they settle to sleep eventually and anywhere from four to six hours later they are up again and the process starts again. It's another anything from one to three hours to get them to settle back down to sleep. If you have nodded off, you're not missing out on anything <laughs> in terms of solutions. This whole episode will have no answers, I'm afraid. <laughs> Just is what it is, I'm afraid. I can only hope you feel validated by listening to this, less alone, and know that you are not a bad parent if your child doesn't sleep 8 to 10 hours through the night. I mean, it's not to say that we haven't tried solutions. <laughs> Honestly, we've tried many, many, uh, spent quite a bit of money too. And whilst there are things that probably help a little bit, there's no real genuine solution. And as we all know, there's very rarely any consistency with our neurodiverse children either. So so yes, we've done the white noise speaker under the bed. We've done the red nightlight. We've done the blackout blinds, blackout curtains. We've done a weighted blanket. We've done an extra large duvet that hangs over the sides. We've done various nightlights. <laughs> uh, we've done filling the room with lovely books and cushions and sensory toys. We've done completely stripping the room of almost everything in it. We've <laughs> so yes, you get my drift. I guess it's important to try. <laughs> Lavender drops in the bath. Yep, yep, yep. And yes, whilst some of these things can be lovely and help soothe, um, they don't really kind of, you know, cut the mustard in terms of getting the child to actually go to sleep, <laughs> you know, within an hour or even half an hour would be amazing. I think, you know, on, on the medication front, the, the single biggest benefit or win for us has been melatonin. And I know people will have varying opinions on that. And that doesn't surprise me at all. It is a very inconsistent up and down journey. I'm not sure if it would be true to say that I think it's more beneficial in the younger children. Certainly seems that way from the parents I speak to, although don't quote me on it. I just I just wish we'd actually discovered it two or three years before we did. As usual, we don't get to hear about these things. It's unbelievable. And so we only really discovered it when Henry was about six or seven. And yes, so melatonin, obviously that natural 
I mean, is it a hormone that, that we all have, you know, that when, when light turns to dark, sends messages to our brains for our bodies to prepare to sleep? And I think it's kind of commonly known, again, I don't know how scientifically true this is or not, that, that autistic children in particular and adults don't have the same levels, if any, of natural melatonin. So yes, in the UK it needs to be prescribed. In other countries you can simply buy it over the counter. It's very commonly used for jet lag. And I say jet lag on purpose because that is obviously a very temporary measure. And the idea being that you take this only for those few or three or four nights to get your body back into its natural rhythm again. For our children, however, we need it every single night. And to be honest, it actually did work fantastically well for, gosh, two, three, maybe even longer years with Henry every night. Um, good luck on finding a consistent pediatrician opinion. Some of them want you to increase the dosage. Some of them want you to decrease the dosage. Some of them want you to take breaks. I mean, hello, you've suddenly discovered this wonderful thing with no side effects that you can give your child and they settle to sleep within literally 20 minutes. And then somebody says, no, you really, for their bodies, you need to take a break for a month. Uh, yeah, and you're going to come in and get the child to sleep then for that month, are you? No, thanks. Um if there are parents listening to this with younger children and considering it and thinking, well, how am I going to do that? My child won't swallow tablets. Uh, fear not. These ones, unlike many ADHD medications, these ones can actually be crushed with the back of a teaspoon into quite a nice little fine powder and scooped into just a tiny little bit of maybe elderberry juice or something nice and sweet, thickish. And that's how my son took it for years. It was fantastic. Then, as he started to get older, and I've heard this from other parents as well, he kind of didn't seem to like the way it made him feel. Maybe he became more aware of that onset of that feeling, and he started to fight it. And that was pretty disastrous, actually. So he would take just as long to settle to sleep, again, back to the three-hour scenario. But instead of being calm and relaxed and happy and giggling in his bed, he was very agitated. And we stopped, basically. So for the last maybe four or five months, Henry hasn't been on it at all. Occasionally, when we can tell that he's exhausted or he really is struggling to get to sleep, we will use it. So on a very much ad hoc basis, and he needs to be extremely tired and ready for sleep before we give it to him. So that's where we're at with, with the wonderful melatonin. And I will take a break here to mention how absolutely delighted I would be if you were to share this podcast amongst your friends and family. Many of the episodes are obviously very autism specific and specific to parents of autistic children, but I have so many of my own friends and family who listen to this and it makes me so grateful for them um, and it makes me smile because they enjoy it just as much and it's learning and it's that vital conversation starter and I think it actually gives them a lot more confidence to then go ahead and feel okay to ask me the questions they want to ask and nothing could thrill me more. We need to be raising the awareness of both our children and our journeys as parents with, with the wider community. So yes, please do. If you're enjoying the episodes, please, please do share. Or even if there's a particular episode that you really loved or resonated with, 
I think you can actually write a review. Click the four, five stars, you know, and um, say a few words. That would be amazing. Thank you. They will need to type in the actual title to find it. So The Threads of Life. And all the episodes are free, as you know, and they can be found on all the usual podcast platforms. So moving on to sleep deprivation. And now we deal with the parents. <laughs> I love the word deprivation. I mean, it just it just does the situation justice. <laughs> and I don't just mean the typical, oh, we, we're, we're lacking sleep and we're so tired. You know, obviously all parents experience sleep deprivation in the very early days when they have babies and they need to wake up for those feeds and the tummy bugs and the teething and the whatnot. And yes, that's again for everyone, that journey can be a little different. And for many can go on for quite a few years longer past toddlerhood. And then there's the parents of the neurodiverse like myself, for whom this journey, honestly, I think genuinely for some will be lifelong. And that's quite a lot to get your head around and quite a lot to try and not get utterly depressed about. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to be giving you any answers here, I'm afraid. Oh, I wish, I wish I had the, I had the magic solution. I don't, I'm afraid. I can only share with you what we've learned on our short journey so far with Henry and how I have learned to look after myself a bit better. So when I say sleep deprivation, I'm typically meaning that deep sleep that is constantly interrupted pretty much every single night for years on end and just really here begging parents to please, please don't ignore it. Acknowledge it and don't feel bad for, for doing that. We're so fixated on making things right for our children that we ignore our own needs and we push past it and we push through it and it is what it is and my life just is exhausting and tiring but there is no way that year on year this isn't going to translate into literally actual physical impacts on your body, let alone the mental ones. And on the mental side that leads into impacting all of your other relationships in the family and on the physical side, genuinely, when you eventually step away from that or somehow manage to get a break from it and get your sleep back on track or, fingers crossed, your child matures and starts to sleep a bit better, you will be gobsmacked at the impact it has had. I'm a huge promoter of the, the daytime power nap. But that is actually just to get you through the day. And yes, I believe it's vitally important. Your body absolutely 100% needs it, no matter where you take that nap in a car, car park <laughs> with the seat tilted back, or whether it's at home on the sofa. It's just so vitally important, but it does not, it does not give you back that deep sleep. And it's that interruption to your deep sleep that has, can have significant impacts on your body, everything from your digestion system to when you suddenly get some sort of balance back to not knowing how to sleep through the night yourself, your body gets into its own muscle memory, I guess. And, and even with those sleep onset scenarios with our children, I've spent so many years collapsing into bed, like falling asleep within nanoseconds from sheer exhaustion. And I guess in a way, my brain telling me, quick, 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 get the sleep while you can, because I knew I was going to be up three or four hours later. 
And then it went away <laughs> and Henry began to sleep so much better and I did not know how to go to sleep anymore. Roll forward to the perimenopause that comes with its own sleep issues and I was an absolute mess. And it took me a long time to get myself back into a decent routine I think I was very, I was teetering on the edge of literally depression, you know, just the exhaustion can do that to you mentally. And the frustration at now suddenly being able to have my sleep back. Henry was off into a, you know, spending his week um, at a residential school, but I, it was, it was dreadful. And it was such a shock to me what all those years of sleep deprivation had done to my body systems. <laughs> And my psyche. <laughs> so I really, really, I mean, I, you know, you know me, my, the words self-care are like swear words to me. And I appreciate that many of us are rolling in this night after night. We don't have opportunities to have a break. So if you are in that place, I'm just begging you to, to be aware, to know that you're going to need to look after yourself and to do a few little extra things in order to do that. And if it's not the sleep that you are able to get, then to try and factor in something to look after that body of yours in other ways. Please do that for me. I think also a huge lesson I've learned over the years is coming to terms with learning how to remain calm. <laughs> it has been a long and tricky road. But the moment I understood that my son wasn't fully in control, of getting himself off to sleep, certainly in, in terms of controlling his body and that the in and out of bed was very impulsive and unplanned on the part of his body. It has helped me massively to just remain calm. This is not a neurotypical situation that is not a child who won't go to sleep. This is a child who can't go to sleep. And none of the neurotypical methods work and the minute I kind of understood that, it calmed me down massively. And even though I'm awake with him, I am calmer, which therefore helped me then settle back to sleep so much quicker and took a lot of the stress and strain on both my mind and body away. And I learned to sort of lean into trusting my son a bit more and know that this is what it is, and he's going to take those three hours to go to sleep, and that's okay. And he's in his room. That means I can lie in my bed. I can remain completely calm. I can almost kind of semi-nod off, although I'm still tuning into to being able to hear him. And then the second he's off, I'm I'm down like a light immediately. And again, you know, if you can recapture 20 minutes of sleep, then then do it, because 20 minutes is 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 a big deal <laughs> in our worlds and if it's done calmly with your mind at rest where you have been calm and you've managed not to lose your over your child's inability to go to sleep it will and does make an enormous difference I also do want to say those dreadful things like it will get better because I can recall being at market events with my autism threads shop and meeting other parents specifically those with children who are now adults who would always reassure me that they settle down. You know, you do get through the puberty, things get smoother, they do learn to sleep a bit better. 
etc. And as much as I wanted to believe it, I just couldn't allow myself to even hope. I was so far in that tunnel. I just thought I daren't because if I start to expect that I will eventually get sleep one day, um, oh, 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 how will I get through tomorrow then, you know? But this episode has given me an opportunity to reflect for myself and think, my gosh, Henry, Henry's sleep actually has improved over the years, <laughs> as has mine. And it is okay to hope and it's okay to hate what you have to go through now. And it's okay if you get frustrated and filled with rage on those evenings when you just can't stay in control yourself either and can't find that calm mode it's okay uh we've all been there you're not alone and and you don't have to be perfect and your child especially is not expecting you to be perfect either that's it for me folks i will be taking a break now because nobody will be listening around christmas gosh the overwhelm of christmas on the neurodiverse families dear dear me wishing you all the best of luck for that period Again, try to get into the mindset of your children and think about all the ridiculousness that comes with Christmas that makes no sense to them whatsoever. Appreciate that they actually are right, yeah? Who would take a living tree that needs to be in the soil to grow, chop it down and put it in your lounge? Who does that? And then just to spite you, they add like decorations and flashing lights. Come on, <laughs> Oh, and then they chuck a whole lot of presents under the tree that you can't see because they're all wrapped in paper. Why would you want to want to do that? I mean, you can't tell what it is. On and on and on. Sit at a lunch table for three hours longer than normal for a meal that you hardly ever, ever have. Yeah, it's it's a big ask on our children. So make your own rules. Do what works for you as a family and try, try to enjoy. And I will be back in the new year. Take care, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and thank you for all your love and support as always. Don't forget, you are not alone and your child is going to be okay.